Hello and welcome. Hi to you. Hi to you. For anyone who can see us now, we've uh, also added some more things onto the podcast. It, as well. I know it looks amazing. Can I say, do you ever watch episodes and say, holy fuck, I need to work on my posture? Yes. I hate that. Yes. Um, one thing that I figured out yeah. is that uh, you have impeccable distance from the microphone. I don't. Okay. So I'm always sounding louder than I than I actually am, and that's one reason why I'm adjusting it right now. Fair enough. Why everyone can see that I'm adjusting it right now. But uh, another dealer's choice for our uh, good friend here, Rem. Rem, what are we here to talk about today? So today, um, I thought we would discuss the fact that since you and I were born, and since we've developed cues to enjoy audio music, yeah. We have experienced probably, and I'm just throwing out a number, 32 genres of music in our lifetime. Well, if the 90s especially were known for anything, it were known for their genres of music. And and so even from the minute we came into the earth to today, thought we would discuss genres of music, all of them. And we would discuss some that I feel like maybe some younger people do not even know existed or were popular. Some trippy shit that kind of blew up. There was You could tell, I think, in a lot of ways... Not to get ahead of myself, though, that the 90s was the second drug revolution, I think. There was definitely a drug revolution in the 90s. You are you are 100% correct there. I was going to ask, are we are we focusing on the 90s or is it just our No, lives? let's go. I think I right. say let's start. Yeah, let, let's go through, man. And let's because I um, while I am an 80s child. Yeah. And I do have my memories of the 80s. I mean, musically, I would say it's more for me than 90s. Yeah, no, we'll talk from experience yeah. there. But I think that, you know, the whole story starts for us with, if you think about it, when we came into the world, there was a type of music that was super famous that would go on to get completely cursed and just shit on by people. And that was um, disco and disco and the transition from disco to new wave. The Zenial Odyssey Podcast, where hosts Remy and Bobby Rocks explore life for people born in the late 70s and early 1980s. Each week, they embark on expeditions exploring their analog childhoods or interview guests about navigating adulthood in a digital world. Join them on another adventure to discover what it means to be a Zenial. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point you bring up, Rem. Because yeah, when you were born, disco was was at its height, and I I have had this conversation with people. Yeah, um, people don't realize just how influential disco is. I agree to this day now. But let's, um, for example, and I had this conversation with my wife and her friend Anastasia. Yeah, um, "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. The foundation of that song is disco. Most people don't think that. See, I'm going to go a little bit. For, let me go back even further. I like that. But I would say if you go to the pre-Thriller album, Off the Wall. It's a, it's a it's 100% the foundation of that entire album is disco. You're uh, right. That, that's, but, <clears throat> excuse me. So the reason I brought up Beat It is because people when people talk about Beat It, they talk about a, rock, a banger of a song. It's yeah. more of a rock song. Eddie Van Halen, no one, no one says anything about disco. I know, disco. solos. Yeah, yeah. But if you listen to that bass and you just listen to the... The the rhythm of that song, yeah. it's a disco, it's a it's a disco driven song. Yeah, and I think that from there you're already seeing the way that disco had influenced pop music as disco was sort of disappearing because disco mm -hmm. was born from our parents' generation, the more cosmopolitan versions who were in yeah. clubs doing cocaine 
and dancing for four hours at a time and yeah. having sex with strangers. Yeah, and and the reason I I specifically brought up Beat It, yeah, is because that that's like 1982, 1983. Disco's dead, but it's like, well, is it? No, it just it's reincorporated into other things. And I think for the first time right now, you're hearing bands that definitely cite it. I mean, yeah. I hate, hate to say it, but even a band like Maroon Five. I was gonna go if we were gonna go somewhat contemporary. Justin Timberlake's first album. Yeah. Um. What's that? Um. Rock with you or, or rock? I know that's rock like with a, you. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Rock with you, not yeah, yeah, rock yeah. with you, Michael Jackson. Uh, the video where he's just in a room of lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that is a disco. Like, yeah, that's a disco song. And that's the thing is the irony is all this music has a place, whether people liked mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. So we were born and right when what's interesting. So right as this happened. Because one of the first kind of musics that really influenced me when I was that age, when I was super young, Little Red, Little Red Corvette by Prince blew my mind. Banger of a song. Never heard melodies like that. Didn't, yep. I think it introduced me to the grandeur of music. Mm-hmm. Um, all of Michael Jackson's stuff. That Thriller yep. era was, was fucking flawless. Name me another artist who had back-to-back killer albums like he did. I mean, a million people are saying something right now, but I know what you mean. Not not killer. I'm, I'm you talking, mean iconic. Yeah, I'm talking like everyone didn't think he could get beyond the shadow of the Jackson Five, and he did with his with Off the Wall. And then everyone said, "Well, whatever. He'll never be able to top that." And then he did. And then everyone's like, "Well, that was his opus." And then he put out Bad, and Bad's yep. a fucking banger. Uh, and Bad is my favorite album by him, start to. Fi- if we're talking singles, yeah. Um, I, th- I give Thriller. I give Thriller credit for singles like, like, um, just pick a. I mean, pick a song. It, it popped up. Pick off. a song at random. But if you're talking an entire album, no, bad. That's amazing. Bad. My, what's your favorite song on Bad? Um, it's it's gonna be funny. It's hard because it's such a good record. But there's two there that to me are just revelatory, um, songs, and it's Dirty Diana. Thank you, thank you. That's my favorite. Just and so then I was going to yeah. say Man in the Mirror is yeah. also I mean, that's one a, that, that... That's a phenomenal song. That you're just yeah. like, this is yeah. beautiful music. But, but, but I, I, will t- I will tell you, for, for 1987, the way that Michael Jackson sang on Dirty Diana... Uh, it's a metal song. The dude, is, the dude is fucking screaming his lungs out. And let me just like, say, my favorite Dirty Diana story, and I'm glad I'm stupid and know stuff like this. I actually mm-hmm. saw the video of this, so this isn't something made up. So Michael Jackson gets brought over to England to meet um, Princess Di and... Prince Charles. Yep. And so when you meet those people, you always like stand in a long line of people and they walk up and shake hands and stuff. And so he gets to Diana and um, Charles is distracted and she's just fawning. She's like, you're amazing. Can you do me a favor? He's like, yeah, what's up? Uh, She's like, like, yeah, what's up? No, I know. I was waiting. That's why I didn't do it. I wanted to lobby it to you. (laughs) Um, And so she's like, listen, please play Dirty Diana. And he's like, I was specifically told to not play Dirty Diana. Um, we didn't deserve Princess Diana. No, for we real. Didn't. And she's like, please, no. I love it. And he's like, I can't. Um, but he was like tripped out. And then, you saw, like I said, I saw it on video. And Prince Charles, you see that he sees her with Michael Jackson. And people didn't know about the kid stuff back then necessarily. So he's just like, is Michael Jackson and Princess Di flirting? They were. It was cute as hell. Um, it's and, Michael Jackson, and like for all the fuck it, fucked up fuckery that people will accuse him of, um, there was plenty of him that was pure, that uh, was yeah, genuine, childlike. Yes, genuine. So, um, Prince Charles walks over. He's like, "What are you guys talking about?" And she's like, "No, I'm just introducing myself." Like she completely doesn't let him know that that's what they were talking about. But so yeah, and Michael Jackson, you felt that. And but I'm glad we're talking about Dirty Diana because. 
the first form of music that really made me be like, wait a second, holy shit, this is what music can do. It's so embarrassing, but let's do this because you're probably there with me. Was hair metal? Well, yeah, because my like so again, uh, one thing that I think our families have in common is the age gaps between mm -hmm. the oldest and the youngest us. And yeah, I mean, my uh, my one of my favorite stories is my my sister basically dragging my mom to a Bon Jovi concert. So my sister could equally just gawk out loud and, and be a, a teenager, yeah. but being equally embarrassed by a mother just sitting there. Not like, getting it. Like kind of like reserved. Closed up. Yeah, like that. But she loved her enough to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, other than that, I mean, my sister, um, her, her tastes were all pop culture, but they were very pop culture. I want to give... Because she was very diverse uh, in her musical taste, especially in the early 90s. Yeah. Like, she she would legitimately, she would listen to the Red Hot Chili, basically Kiss 108. Yeah. Like, Kiss 108 in the early 90s was actually, like, pretty badass. It was. You know, uh, I remember when we were driving home from visiting my relatives in Portland, Maine, that their top 10 was In Bloom by Nirvana. Yeah. It was Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It was Never Gonna Get It by En Vogue. Yeah. It was In the Closet by Michael Jackson. Nice. Yeah. Wasn't In the Closet R. Kelly? That was later. Okay. That was later. No, his and his was off of his Dangerous, uh, dangerous album. Okay. The the one with, um was it Nev Campbell yeah. in the video? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. The Something About You, Yeah, he's singing to yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you had you had songs like, like that. And then you, I'm pretty sure you still had Metallica Black Album. Well, wait, let's go uh, back songs in there, so. a little bit. Yeah. So so we, we see hair metal, and that's kind of the offspring of, like, the 70s rock scene that can, was starting to can develop. I be, can I be honest with you? I mean, because I've told you about what the first concert I ever went to was, right? Yeah, I don't know it, offhand. It was the Monkees yeah. with Weird Al opening up for That's them. iconic. It dude. is iconic. So literally, and the reason was because uh, Michael Naismith, mm -hmm. member of the Monkees, yep. uh, he received some money because one of his relatives created Whiteout. And he created Nickelodeon with that. And early on in Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon had to fill airtime with stuff. So it's one reason we got the iconic, you can't do that on television. But we also, he he owned parts of the rights to the Monkees. So yeah. why don't I put on the Monkees TV show? And that that was my introduction to the Monkees. It was also my introduction to music. Yeah. And I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know about you, I honestly think that like Davy Jones was a, was a he was an awesome singer. Like I loved the yeah. Monkees. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, Daydream Believer. Like I think Daydream Believer is up there with Beatles songs. Yeah, I do too. And and funny you bring that up because they were considered the uh, the put together fake version corporate yep. fake, Monkeys fake version. spelled wrong. Yep. And they also put out a, they put out a movie at the same time as Yellow Submarine. You know that? <laughs> yeah, it was weird as hell. Yeah, Jack head. Nicholson directed it. Yeah, head. And it's an anti-war anthology. Basically, watch it on LSD or it'll make no sense to you type of movie. Uh, um, yeah. Well, if we knew anything about the certain members of the Monkees, they were definitely oh, on yeah, LSD. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mi Pete, uh, Peter, um, the, the bassist. The one with the hat? Yeah. Peter. He was my favorite. And I just, and it's short. Sorry, I can't remember his name. No, no. It's okay. It's yeah. been a minute. Yeah. So, but we also saw at the end of the 80s, too, Birth of Hip Hop. Yes. And yep. that was initially New York hip hop specifically. Mm -hmm. And. Yep. It was fucking amazing because it was like the band that blew up initially for a lot of people, obviously, was Run DMC. Yes. That was just people's kind of introduction to that world. And I'm not going to lie. Um, every from from the from the mid to late 80s to the up until uh, gangster rap. 
yeah. in, the, in the early 90s. Yep. Um, when I think of a lot of that music, even Rapper's Delight, I think of a I I think of going to a skater rink. Like I have and it's and it's not all their songs sound like that, but um Hard Times by Run DMC. When yeah. I hear that one, it, I love that song. No, isn't it? But, but I think of like literally times. Yeah, yep. and that's the way it is. is. Yes. Yeah. And I just think of everyone just going around and people just showing how they're basically figure skaters on roller skates. It's tricky. And, yeah. It, oh yeah. Yeah. And then oh, and then Tone Loke. So we're a lot of one hitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Beastie Boys basically were or the white version of Run DMC. They, they, were, they were the white version, and yeah, because Rick Rubin is Produced the connection both. for all that and Def Jam Records. But then they came out with Paul's Boutique. Yeah, they said, "Listen, we're not the band you thought we were." Yeah. Paul's Boutique was like I'd never heard a fully experimental hip hop record, yep. and they sort of got rid of the voices mm-hmm. of the first record. Which listen, love the Beasties. They're in the top twenty. Do not like. Um, License to Ill. Last Exit to Brook. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just think it's a juvenile record. I do too. I think it's got catchy songs, but in a very, I want to listen to them once. I think it's to me, it's a yeah. You put it on at the back of a party. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be background music That's all at a party. Whereas Paul's Boutique is whoa is a sonic leap yeah, yeah, forward yeah. in in a lot of things. It's like I almost compared it to like it was as if the Beasties tried to make a Zeppelin record. Yeah. Or just tried to make a Frank Zappa yeah. record. Yeah. What's your favorite song off Paul's Boutique? Um, there are so many, man, but I think that Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun That's a great one. is such a banger. Yeah. And people don't I, I think if for me, if you took if you took everything in its totality, as far as this one song and everything that was done in it, it's shake your rum. Okay. It's just for the fact of everything how they layered that song is phenomenal but i mean just purely for like the listening of a song yeah, yeah. it's probably high plains drifter yeah oh, yeah and the way they layered their vocals drifter. Yeah. yeah i got me yeah. running in the yeah no that whole <clears throat> excuse me man that whole record is absolutely phenomenal no no yeah yeah as far as the cop you're fine you're right. fine um and i think that too it was one of those examples of a band also being like how long can we make a record oh 72 minutes we're gonna make this 72 minutes Cause that was always the best when you spent 15 bucks on a fucking CD and actually got your money's worth. Yeah. Cause some bands would put out 11, 11 song CDs, you know? <laughs> um, so then we're in, the, now we're in the nineties. We've made it to the nineties and me and Bob experienced the birth of what we think is the greatest music scene of all time, which is. I was, well, so sorry. I was already kind no, of no, formulating no. my thoughts when you were doing that. Uh, so for me, and I've, I, I think I've talked with you about this um, to varying degrees. You and I have disagreed and to varying degrees. I think from 1991 to 1996, 1997 is the last great era uh, in just artistic um, music as an art form. Yeah. I think ever. I think there was great music that came after that period. There's still great music that comes out, but it's just like everywhere you looked, every kind of genre you could think of, there was just so more, well represented there was more than one great act yeah um obviously in like the early 90s it was uh, grunge was the last singular like style of music genre of music that i think we've experienced without really being very unique yeah if that makes sense uh after grunge it was really just kind of taking existing genres and doing it in a way that people hadn't done it before 
Uh, so that's what I think of. Uh, but were you talking about grunge? Was yeah, yeah, grunge and, yeah. and also the L.A. rap scene that came out of the 90s was an amazing yeah. thing to witness yeah. happen in real time. One thing that started in the in the late 80s and continued to the uh, 90s is uh, older people just think of hip-hop as rap. Mm-hmm. They just think of it all as one thing. I think of, first of all, the first distinct style, subset style of rap. Um, even though I guess you could kind of quantify groups like Boogie Down Productions and like Run DMC as this, but I think of when I think of Native Tongue, I think De La Soul. Yeah, I I just think it was it was it was for hip hop, for the cadence of hip hop and for rapping, it was just wow. Like three feet high and rising, everyone's like wow. What about the fact that and this just came on because we put playlists on at work at the dispensary, and their Schoolhouse Rock version of Three Is the Magic Number mm-hmm. came on, um, De La Soul. And that's not even my favorite record by them, by the way. My favorite record is 1991's De La Soul is Dead. Yeah. Where they essentially just tried to assassinate their... Who you think of. Who you think they are while still having native tongue. And they, and and people will say Three Feet High and Rising is better, but that one was more of a, of a artistic risk. Yeah. And, and I like that one better. It was almost like the leap to Paul's Boutique. Like, it was the same kind of difference between the two records where it was like a huge, huge step in And they the were huge on skits. Like doing skits. Yeah. So if you saw if you saw a De La Soul record and you saw the track listing, I mean there's like 47 tracks, but this there's like most of them are 30 second yeah, skits. Three, yeah, they're skits and they're interludes to others to other songs. And they're nods to things in pop culture that they like. And, and ready for this, making this full circle. Yeah. They purposefully created a song for a skate rink on that record. Which was? Um, I think it's uh oh, it's another one with like a seven paragraph. Yeah, it's like it's like literally like chilling around skating on a Saturday afternoon. No oh, shit. But by the way, that song is that song was about five six years ahead of its time. Yeah. Like and it's a it's a because it because it sounds like it starts off sounding like a DJ who's at a at a skating, skating rink, rink just playing random music, and he's just and they're like, hey, we're De La Soul coming to you live from this, and then all of a sudden it just sounds like someone starts to scratch and it actually goes into the song. Yeah. And it's them rapping phenomenally, and then they're adding in like like a backup singer, which at that point, hip-hop didn't really have people come on and sing. To do the hooks, yeah. Yeah, and she did, and that's why it's like, wow. Wow. Like, a, Yeah, and it's called like a like a, a lazy a lazy Saturday is the name of a song. That's cool. And that's her hook, is that she's singing like, five days of work. <laughs> Plus, can, we can say that it was De La that then opened the door for certain 90s bands like Tribe Called Quest. And, and I was going to get into that would that would have been the next... Native I didn't mean t- to step on your foot. No, 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 no. That's that's, I I I fact this is like us organically having a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what and, makes and, it work. And this is what this is what it, we mean when Rem and I are on the same wavelength. Yeah. Is is that's really what we mean? Is that yeah? Next is Tribe and Tribe took it. F- oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. And they had nicknames for it. They had their names and they had nicknames. The abstract is yeah, one no. of the most badass nicknames. Dope shit, dude. Yeah. That could be like a, a movie about a hitman or something. Yeah. Too. And, and I mean, then, obviously, Q-Tip, too, is a god. Yeah. I mean, he was birthed as a god hip-hop, still doing his shit, still doing production yep. and, and stuff. And Fife, Fife was good, too. Fife was, oh, Fife, 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 Fife was, dog was dope. Yep. Fife was good, too. But then we got into um, Dr. Dre, and I separate him from N.W.A. because him by himself is not. So different. It's it's different. And and that was, dri- it was, his beats were driven by Parliament and Funkadelic. I was going to say, that's and, all it was an evolution of. And that's, and that's why, really, to me, the essence of West Coast. Hip-hop. Ding ding it's just, dong. It's just, it has ding, this ding, just ding. laid back 
rapness to it. Like nothing but a G thing. Yeah, it does not sound like I understand people are rapping on it. It doesn't. It, it to me, it's not a hip hop like song. A soul song. It, almost. it, tra- it tra- because that that's what makes something truly great art when it comes to music. It transcends genres. Yeah, nothing but a G thing transcends genres. And people who weren't there don't understand that no. the, the Chronic record stopped time. It did. People don't realize that. Like, legitimately. People don't realize because, number one, radio is shit now. Yeah, it's, um, no one fucks with it. Nothing But a G Thing was played on rock radio. Yeah, it was just. It was played on rock radio. Iconic. Everyone yeah. realized that an iconic hip-hop record had just dropped. Yep. Unlike anything people and had that heard. that bass. And everybody. The doo 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 Yeah. doo 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 Everybody you knew was banging that shit for a whole year. Yep. We were all nodding. Yep. Yep. But that gets us also into, because at the same time, you had. Um, I would call it East Coast because some people. This is where some people get confused. Like Tupac I, East Coast. Yeah, is what yeah, you mean. yeah. Tupac East Coast, which is on the West Coast, which is which is gangster rap. The yeah, the angrier shit. Yeah, but I was because the the group I give the credit for, um, hard, like gangster rap or hardcore, not even hardcore, gangster rap is Mob Deep. Mob Deep. Yeah, yeah. Shook yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Shook ones part two. Shook like, ones is the greatest. Um, like just, I would argue maybe. Maybe, arguably, I would sit on a panel with five people and argue that it's the greatest hip hop song of all time. It's it's. Why do you think that Eminem chose that for Eight Mile? No, no, that's because it's the best thing. To, yeah. Dude, people still sample, people yep. still rap over that. Scared that's, to death, scared to look. Yo, they shook because ain't no such thing as the halfway, halfway crooks. crooks. Like that's. We're here thirty years later, and people still know it. And just so many lines yeah. in that, like I just. Hit you in the yeah. hit you in the face, break your brain with your Anybody's, nose bone, and it's like it's his delivery that makes it more menacing. But what about that moment when he's like, "I'm only 19, but my mind is old." Yep. I listen to that. I'm like, "That's a that's a no." But wow. this was a kid. Yep. I'm only 19, but my mind is old. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's a fucking kid, yep. and he's singing the realest shit. Yep. But then I it also gets us into uh, Wu Tang because I think Wu Tang is that's it as bro. a group. They are they they stand alone as their own unique style and in my opinion nobody in hip-hop told stories like like, like them yeah. or truly introduced us properly to the mm-hmm. culture bro yeah Pac did it dear mama there were moments when Pac did it but tang did it so uniquely mm-hmm. and you like picking a favorite mc in wu-tang is like picking a favorite pizza ingredient mm-hmm. like it's just fucking hard to do yep. because everybody and there are people who when wu-tang started everyone's like oh method and red whatever blow blow but as you get deeper, you realize, Sizz, like, there's other dudes in it. RZA, on, like, that, cre- but, like, Cream? That's what I'm saying. Cash that moves just, everything around me. Cream, cream get, get the, the money. money. Dollar, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Just a line, just a, a throwaway line, line that Method threw out there that becomes the iconic part of the song. But that was another one. 36 Chambers yeah. dropped and everybody stopped what they were doing. It's, it's because uh, you're stopping and starting. It's uh, it's the noise It gate. was processing. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it thinks you stop, so it starts to fade you out. That's Fair enough. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was remarkable to see that. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, there were other genres that poked out in the I 90s. know, and this is and this is ultimately why we started that we wanted to do the episode. So um Do you do you remember? So there's two songs that fall onto what you were talking about. Yeah. I think I know which one you were referencing. Uh but essentially Remy uh texted me, he hit me up and was like can we do an episode about how, like, in 1992, like, Gregorian chants were a thing in, in songs? Uh, do you know the... Um, so there's two songs. There's the one that I would say makes you feel like you're floating over the ocean, like you're soaring like a bird. There's that, there's that one. Yeah. Uh, but that one's set to, uh, like, a string, like a string arrangement. Sa, dim, wah, 
And then there's and then there's the um, I can only describe it as like church, like a church choir. Yeah, that's the one I think of when I think of Gregorian chanting. So that one is by the Germany-based group Enigma. Yes, that's yeah. what I just that's what yeah. I just sang. Yep. Sad, sadness, sadness, part one. Yeah, dude, yeah. I listened to that yesterday at work. So for anyone who doesn't know what Gregorian chanting is, it's essentially an. It originally was an a cappella type of music, which means there's no backing. There's no backing music. You literally have like it's monks. You have like monks because it was religious music because it was from the mid. It was from the Dark Ages in a church hall. Yeah, using the acoustics of a church hall. No amps. Um, you, you didn't really have like altos and ba- you just had a bunch of people who sounded a little different. Yeah, you put them together, but everyone pretty much had the same pitch. Oh, yeah, and it's singing religious hymns. And that's where it started. And like it came out, so that it came out through the band Enigma, and it was popular in the sixth, from the sixth to the eleventh century. So we, we brought something back 800, 900 years later. And it just appeared. Yeah. That's what people don't understand is suddenly amid grunge and rap, our parents were buying yeah. these chant records and chants were getting on the top 40 fucking radio charts. But somebody, but somebody thought it was, this is the reason it's relevant, because somebody said, hey, why don't we put it over EDM, electronic dance music? Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not EDM in the sense that people thought of EDM, but the the bought the foundation of EDM. Well, wait, but for there you need to start the EDM discussion I know, and say, I know. do you know what EDM is? Well, I don't know about you, but when I think uh, the band that popularized um, what people would call dance, like dance EDM music, yeah, I think it's Depeche Mode. I, I think, and I know that I know that in their careers, you can't just say they're EDM. Um, you can't just say because there are a lot of things. I think they're new wave. Their early stuff is new wave, yeah. But then when that then they start to cross over, like um, I mu- feel you. Mu- music for the masses, yeah. Like that's a dance, that's a dance record, yeah. Like with Strange Love, Strange Love is a new new wave song. That's a dance. They have a new record. That's up this an year. Oh, well. They yeah. I went and saw them like five years ago. They still got it. They're yeah. amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. But like yeah, when they get into Violator, like that is the ultimate like mixing EDM and rock. Yeah, that's a good point. And then what you're referencing, which by the way is my favorite album by them. Which was um, uh, songs it. of faith and devotion. Yeah, that that record is different. That yeah. record hit in a time, and they changed their sound to fit the time. Yeah, but but still be themselves. Yeah, and made a record that Depeche Mode music is really good to fuck to. Uh, it's because uh, Dave Gagan. Dave Gagan is uh, he no. just he has a voice. Look, mm-hmm. look, look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just so that's an example there of a band that started in the late seventies. And they started, uh, they're from the UK. So the, yeah. U- the UK, really, for a long time, it's not like today where we live in a world that's very, Open. it's a lot smaller. Yeah. It's, it's literally was a time where music was being created places that nobody was hearing unless you lived there. And then slowly people would make bootlegs and the bootlegs would make their way around the world. Or a band would tour and people would be like, yep. oh, this is who Like this they'd is. literally just be a backing band for a, a local band. And then people like, oh my goodness, like who is this artist? Yeah. Artist is phenomenal. I think of that. So let's get, yeah, we've gone on tangents, but it's fine. Oh, it's we always right. go on tangents. Yeah. Yeah. So in the UK, uh, there were people basically with a Rastafarian background, whether they were Rastafarian or not. Yeah. Yeah. They were making what was, what is, we would call today house music. A dub hall. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they were making like elect, uh, electronic dance music, but they were adding in elements of hip hop. A very like, boom, dip, boom, yeah. dip, boom, dip, boom, dip, mm-hmm. boom. Like not conventional drum patterns that yeah, you would not, hear in American yeah, music. Yeah, not 808, not no. not electronic drum kits. They were they were literally just uh, creating these, these beats that had a lot of bass to them, and yep. they were 
but they still wanted you to get up and dance. Well, yeah, it had the, they, and they all had this, like, fucking rhythm. Like, seriously, like a driving, like, uh, uh, uh. I gotta stop doing that. The robots? Yeah. Like the oh, robot, yeah, the ro- the ro- yeah, we'll the get ahead wanted, of ourselves. Wanted to fuck? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what came out of that was... Uh, raves. What, raves, but also what came out of that is something that, when it hit, it was it's a phenomenal genre, but it didn't have a a large like shelf life of a genre. Yeah. It still exists, but I mean where where it was like paid attention to. And that is where some people started to try to take the dubstep, the EDM, hip hop, and rock and fuse it all together. Yeah. And when I think of that, and and essentially it's trip hop. And when I think of that, Tricky. I think of Portishead. Yeah. Like, Portishead did things that were amazing. Um, with the fact that they were trying to do it with a live band and and um, and instruments and a singer who was super down tempo, yep, super like relaxing, haunting, mm-hmm. trippy with ghost like vocals, haunting, yeah, yeah. And they were another one that appeared, and everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Everybody stopped what they were doing when mm-hmm. "Give Me a Reason to Stay" and to love you. That's what it is, and that's the reason that uh, that's the first time I ever heard Isaac Hayes because that's a sample of, sample. of Isaac Hayes. Yeah, uh, Ike's rap, part two. Nice. Um, that's how I remember that. the The basic uh, foundation of that song is his is song. That. They just sampled it, and that led me into one of what I think is one of the great. Um, songs that i've ever heard glory and, box and that is uh it's an isaac hayes song it led oh, me into oh, one oh. Of, it led me into his cover of um pass me by she keeps on, oh the original version yeah because yeah. okay. because he covered dion warwick yeah yeah and most people don't know that because he made it so unique to himself unique to himself that it just sounds like something that exists the first two minutes of that song i think is one of the most badass experiences you can have from music nice yeah if you've never heard it I don't. They can't reference it. All right. I wish I could play it. I'll play it for Drive you. Drive it on the ride home. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the scene was budding, and then we started getting into a global world. So that started jumping the Atlantic, and then all these people started just influencing each other. And we had a lovely man by the name of Joshua Davis. That's his real name. Oh wow. Um, but do you know who I'm talking about? No. Because most people would know him as DJ Shadow. There we go. I did. Yeah. We did. We just talked about yep. this. Joshua Davis from California. Most people don't know. He was. He's always been a DJ. He's always been experimenting. But then he moved over to the UK. He was originally signed to a label in the UK. Yeah. And that's where he got influenced. And then in the mid-90s, he dropped what, it, what at the time was called a hip-hop record. Yeah. I think it's also something that transcends genres. Yeah, I think that's a tough call. Yeah. It's because, what, that it's hip-hop? No, no, that, that that to try to put it in one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's be it's art. That's how I put it. It's art. Yeah. It is art in the highest sense of the word in my opinion. And this is where some people may not agree with me. Um I think singularly it is the biggest artistic achievement of the 90s what he did. Just because it was so grandiose for one and because person to do it. And because when you actually peel the layers back and see what he did, yeah. It's mesmerizing. You know what the worst thing, man, is I really genuinely wish that we were allowed to play clips on I know, the right? show. Yeah. Because there yeah. are people. We wouldn't it's get hot. Yeah, because yeah, the references, like, people don't understand. That dude appeared with introducing. Mm-hmm. And again, everybody stopped, got the record, and still. Here's the thing about all the records we've mentioned. They're all still fucking mm-hmm. fire. Yep. His, like, his, um, they don't age. Building Steam. Building Steam was in a, a, a truck commercial. No, they it have was, a lot. The, it um, was in a truck commercial, and that's the opening song to introducing. Days of DJ the Week. Shadow. Yeah, Days of the Week. I've heard that in a few different occasions. Um, obviously, uh, Midnight in a Perfect World. Mm-hmm. 
is uh, is probably one of his most iconic ones. And the reason why I give him all this credit, everybody, is because every single thing, 99% of that album was sampled. Yeah. The drum, sampled and patched and pieced together. The drum together. beats, the vocals. There are two vocals that are not sampled. One was his friend, who was on the record, uh, the front of the record, I believe. Yeah. The guy saying, in Midnight in a Perfect World, foresight, insight, the clock on the wall reads a quarter past. That's Midnight. his friend actually rapping. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then him saying, shit's fat. Before, before. Oh that. yeah, starting that. And then, other than that, in um, what's the what's the other iconic song from from that album? This, I mean, there's like five that's, iconic I mean, songs. That's the problem. But the one that's uh got the organ in it. Yeah. You know the do 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 do. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the name of it is. But it's not that song. It's the one that has that as the interlude. Oh, okay. So the one where it starts with the uh, like the ding ding do 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 do. Yeah, he has his. Who is his wife? She's talking about Xanadu. I don't know if you remember that part. She's yeah. just saying, I saw the movie Xanadu, and I just wanted to roller skate. Jane like, Fonda. Those are the only two parts that weren't sampled. No shit. Yeah, of, a, of like a 60-minute record. Yeah. Everything else is sampled. If you hear that, you'd figure that maybe somebody did drums here or there. Yes, he literally took drums off of, a instru- of an instructional drumming record. Yeah. A vinyl record. Everything was done on a vinyl. Do it where you get like, it. Like taking that, all the, oh yeah, all the drumming. And when you, when I took, when we talk about that song that I was just talking about, yeah. like the drumming on that one, like the fact that he literally just cop, cut and pasted. Yeah, a and lot was of creating, people do that now. And was creating double bass, double Nazi. bass and like breakdowns on drum kits yeah. with that. I mean, it's just crazy it's shit. It's just, yeah, it's stuff. Um, I mean, for your first full length re- record, it kind of sucks because where do you go from there? Yeah, you can't. Like you've, you've, uh, you've reached Mount Everest, you've reached the top of Mount Everest. So where do you go? All right. So then this, I'm going to take the mic back for a little bit. So this. At this point, with Shadow, we got the introduction of pop techno, mm-hmm. which we'd never had. You talked about EDM, and that was kind of the birth of it. But we had people like we've talked about Fatboy Slim. You had people like Moby, Moby's Play Record. You oh. have people like BT. You have people like Chemical Brothers, the Dust Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, these incredible people. But again, we watch this stuff appear. We watch people cut and paste genres and build new genres. I mean, and think we about didn't it. even talk about Prodigy. Well, I was just about to. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. That's what I was just. I was we like, just see that the problem yeah, is it happens we, all the we time. Do, we do it all the time. Um, and that gave birth, I think, almost like an angrier version of. Because I was gonna say, like, when you when they you, were metal. Yeah, the, I was gonna say, like, that's like headbanging shit though. That hundred percent. Yeah, and and by the way, one of my favorite uh, core memories is my my sister and I watching in, Internal Affair. Yeah. Remember that show, Internal Affair? No, it was like a tabloid. Oh, like a, like a fucking it one was, of those Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And someone talking about. Um, how the song "Smack My Bitch Up" oh, was promoted abuse. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but not just that. But then uh, the shock of all shocks in the music video. It's a girl. It's a yeah. It's a it's a lady. But the way that this is again, this is a talking head with Prodigy's latest song "Smack My Bitch Up." Of course. Like, and I'm sitting there just laughing my ass off with my sister as we're like, yeah. "The fuck is you're trying to make serious like news and you pull that shit? Fuck you." Yeah, well, the world that was the start of fucking cancel culture. Yeah, it's true. But um, so yeah, they came out and then. But other things that happened. So we're still in the '90s, and it's like suddenly there's another thing that happened. One of the one of the emerging genres, and I think you'll have some interesting stuff to say about this because um, we can talk about like the Boston's. Was there was a term in the '90s when suddenly well ska? Well done. I mean, that's Boston's own burst burst out of the dirt, and there was like a year with no doubt and Boston's and. Fucking um, sublime and cherry pop. Save Ferris and, and, and no, not even because that's that's swing. You're getting ahead. I think cherry, cherry pop and daddies. Yeah, I was thinking of um, what the fuck is that other 
Um, they also only had um oh the voodoo voodoo daddies. Voodoo daddies. Yeah, but I mean no, yeah, that's also sp- swing. They're like they're like a tweener though. Yeah, but I yeah. think but let's Cherry say those. daddies are more ska, but yeah, they're let- like a tweener. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, and it was this interesting music that was, again, sort of influenced by multiracial parts of the world where mm-hmm. it, there was horns and it was dance music and it, the music, the guitar was strummed upward like reggae. It was, a, I never liked Scott. Boston's were cool. They were a local band. They did it for like 19 years before they yeah. blew up. Um, but I was never a big fan of it. I thought it was a little bit hyper. I, I found it a little bit, I just didn't think it had a lot. I didn't think you could listen to one of those songs and be like, wow, the depth of this. I would, yeah, I, I mean, so there's only really one song they have that I would I would say that about, like, that it has, like, that kind of depth, and there's probably Someday, I suppose. Like, yeah. Th- that's probably the one I would go, I mean, that's a just a phenomenal. Someday, yep. I suppose. The yeah. way they layered it, too. Yeah. Like, the fact that you you have your you have your horn section come in and just have, a like, a, a building momentum and Crescendo. not just being, like, the, not just the dun-dun, dun-dun, yeah. da-da-dun, dun Did dun. you like Scott? Um, did I like Scott? Uh, no. Yeah, just no. never spoke to me. My sister and her friends, had they, they went through that uh, phase. Yeah, God bless them. Yeah, where Brian Setzer was a thing again. Well, no, see, like, I, I, I think you're bringing up all the wrong. Uh, I don't think Swing and Scott are close at all, in my like, opinion. Brian so, Setzer, Voodoo Pop and Daddies, um, all those, those are Swing. That was the resurgence of, like, in the afterlife. It's all that Swing shit. I think that was a really trashy period. I well, hated that's it. trash, yeah. I hated it, but yeah. that was another one. Suddenly, swing music came back, and dudes wearing like the three piece suits and doing the fucking and zoot. No, like you zoot, said, like literally, yeah, zoot suits. It's shit. not just the zoots. It's not just the name of a song. It's yeah, it's zoot suits. It yeah. literally was a thing, and so Ugh. that popped out. Yeah, that popped up in the middle, and I was like, where the fuck? But we were hungry in the '90s for shit. Yeah. Can I can I be honest though? That, that's the that's the music I hate the most by by no doubt. Yeah, is their their ska. I actually hate that the most. I just yeah. hate the band. I hate Gwen Stefani. Yeah. I think she's fake as fuck. I. She looks like she's trying to do they, fucking blackface now. They put out, they put out one good album. Their first Tragic one, Kingdom. Their, yeah, that that was good, except for like, because people be like, oh, um, Spiderweb. No, I hate that song. That song sucks. <laughs> no, I'm just a girl. No, that's a good song. That's it's, yeah, it's, it's a good, good, it's good like song. It's riff. a good anthem. The opening riff is good. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good song. Don't Speak was good, but it's overplayed. It's just, just like, I hate overplayed songs. Like, I'm just, no, I'm over them. But then the weirdest thing happened, right? Then after that, she got quiet for a couple of years, and suddenly, rap rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget, yeah. late 90s yeah. and the, into 2005, that was the shit. But if we're going to bring that up, we have to pay homage to the groups that really uh, kicked those doors down for them. Onyx, Run DMC, Aerosmith, Biohazard, and Public Enemy, and Anthrax, and I did three. Even, you do one. even even though they even though they only really had one song, Faith No More, Epic. You think that was yeah? You're right. Yeah, because it was a hit. That's why I say it. Because it was no fair enough. It was some people would say that's their only hit, and I'd say you're wrong. By the way, I decided we're gonna do a whole Faith No More episode, Mike Patton episode. So stay tuned. Oh, that's fine. I like how you put a Mike Patton because Mike Patton by himself is Is, like the dose. That's a week worth of episodes. Yeah, but um, we're gonna have to take a week off after that. But yeah, no, and you you started to hear that. You know, you started to hear this influence of hip hop, but but it was coming through the rock music really angrily, Mm -hmm. and it was like you know, think of Biscuit, think of Lincoln Park. So if you think late '90s rap rock, yeah, when that came out. I think you have to talk about the foundations and where they were laid. Corn. You have, you have to talk about not just corn, but you have to talk about, uh, and you and you did touch upon biohazard because I was talking about 
metal and rock started to go away from like guitar solos. They started to re- emphasize the breakdowns. Yeah. They started to drop down in keys. Add extra strings and, to the yes, guitar. And, and much like you were saying, they started to get aggressive. Yeah. And they started to get lyrically aggressive. And all these other genres start our certain artists started to kind of get together and started to make it. And some of them just basically jumped on the teat. Like Limp Biscuit just yeah. jumped on the teat. They did. They did. They were they were identified and then they ran with that teat. Oh, they did. Everything man. they was. But I give but I give I give them credit in the last like seven, eight, nine years. Where self-awareness. They, yeah, where they're self-aware and, and I, I appreciate I'd that. I'd go see a biscuit show yeah. in a second. I dude. appreciate that I appreciate who Fred Durst is now for how much I loathed him yeah. at, at his height. Because he was the ultimate fuckboy. Yeah. He was the ultimate uh he realized the moment and embraced that. He let it embrace the the douchebag part of his yeah, personality. 100%, 100%. And let the douchebag take over for a few years. And that's where I was like, uh, and by the time Chocolate Starfish dropped, it was like. People were burnt out. Like, you just rhymed here with here. I remember the first record, $3 Bills, y'all. That's a that's a, that's a, a hard pretty, record. That's a pretty hard. That's a hard record. It was it was on. I was at this party. I'll never forget this. And like, I'm talking to some dumb cheerleader bitches or whatever. And um, there's one part on that first record. I figure what song it is, but he says. Suck on yourself, you whore. And I remember I was sitting there like talking to this. But it, Fred had a pretty good, he had a pretty good growl. No, it was a good but, scream. But was it, I was going to ask, was it that or was it his, suck on yourself, you whore? No, yeah. it was from the first record. All so right. it was kind of like, yeah. and I remember this girl was like, oh my God, what are we listening to? And that's when I remember I being like, yeah, no, really, what are we listening to? I want to buy this. <laughs> my friend, the first time we heard Faith. Yeah. Uh, he said, it, that's an awesome cover, except for the end. And I said, that's the, like the best crescendo. The breakdown, yeah. That's the best crescendo. And the scratching breakdown, yeah, come scr- on. Scr- 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 yeah. And then his screaming at the end. Oh, You want to hear uh, scratching, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. And then we had metal groups like like Slipknot, because they're not a rap. That doesn't matter. They no. got DJs they, to they do scratching. They put DJs in there. You had groups like Incubus making, mixing yeah. in DJs. Um, I also think of, like, at the foundation of groups mixing in DJs, Mission of Burma. It was oh, the first nice. group that did that. Yeah. And then people went away from it for a long time. But you had groups that were doing it, accentuating their music. Yeah. And uh, and then we got Kid Rock. Well, yeah, no, and that's the thing. Every you scene. You gotta take the every scene we've seen implodes. That's the thing. And yep. so this one did too. And so at that point, we're in the early aughts. What's happening in the early aughts with music, Bob? I think much like people our age, um, I think everyone lost their way. And people Pop were, took over again. Yeah. Because there was no direction. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the default. Yeah, yeah. When you def- when you go back to default settings, it's pop music, uh-huh. uh, for better or worse. And for us, it was worse. And then and then every now and then it was sprinkled with some great music. Yeah, like I think when Speaker Box, The Love Below came out, like Masterful. I was like, thank you, thank you for Outcast. having something. Yes, the ATLENs themselves. Yes, yeah. Outcast, uh, literally a double album where Big Boy did Speaker Box. Yeah, and Andre, Andre did. did The Love Below, where basically he was trying to be Prince, and I appreciate him for it, because he did yeah. a hell of a job. Yeah, hey, man, do your thing. Yes. Uh, even less, yeah, when he growing out his hair. But then Pop, yeah, Pop just became, I mean, you have people right now, I'd say, you know, hip-hop's huge, but Pop reigns supreme again. You got a girl like Taylor yeah. Swift, who's worth fucking billions. Mm-hmm. You have pop artists like Billie Eilish, who are like fucking 20 and making billions. And it's just, it's very strange, too. And Post Malone. Even though I like Post Malone. I like Posty. I do, too. I do. I think he's I a talented dude. I think he's he's a unicorn because he can pretty much do whatever he wants, and it's okay. Yeah, I've seen him doing it. And I think dude, it's, we need more of that. You see his cover of Them Bones? Yeah. You have? <laughs> dude, fucking awesome. It's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he, well, didn't he do a whole during, Nirvana concert? Yeah, the yeah during COVID, he did the whole Nirvana concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a talented dude. Mm-hmm. You don't have yep. to like him. I mean, I'm, he also mm-hmm. seems very nice though in if, interviews. If seems- we take a view from ten thousand feet for what this is about, like what what this episode, our 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 upbringing musically. Yeah. Think about that. This is the. I think this is the reason people our age are so diverse. We're so eclectic. Yeah. We're so um, accepting. Because if we wouldn't, we would have been left behind. Not just that. I mean, it's just because that's that's like the foundation that was laid for us. So as much as I detest the music business, I say thank you for being allowing all of these kind of genres to really yeah, rise have up a place to at least and try and spread some fucking roots. You know. Yeah thing is it's dope like i wish five more genres well there are genres now that me and bob don't even know about mm-hmm. like you know anything about hyper pop probably no. not nope it's like a techno driven pop music nope. that's like 250 bpms yeah. crazy shit but there's a lot out there right now but you know what that's fucking good that's reflective and, of a, a curious and creative culture trying to start new things and, and what are you what are you and people who know me very well would accuse me bob of just go, i hate i hate modern music yeah i say overall i do but it doesn't mean i hate everybody yeah, uh, like 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 the weekend. I think when he hits, he's masterful. Yeah, he's a great singer. Yeah. Blind uh, blinding lights. Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, song outside of time. What he what he did with everything. I, first off, he has, his voice is a weapon that he uses very well. You ever heard his dirty Diana? Yes, I have. I have. Very, and when very we were, good. When, when we were talking about that, that is one pop, uh, thought that popped in my head. Is he did a he did a damn good job. Yeah. Um. But I think of his song "Earned It." That's my favorite song by him. Yeah. And my favorite thing about that is he decided, you know what? I need to go Motown. Fuck it, yeah, bro. Yeah, I need, I need, literally, I need the studio, the massive studio. We're all in it. We're just allowing the the reverb to kind of come back, go back and forth. Uh, we need Resonate. strings. I'm gonna yeah. layer my vocals over it. We'll have a little bit of hip hop bass to it, but we're gonna de-emphasize the hip hop, yeah, which people don't do nowadays. Yeah. Turn it up to eleven, uh, and he he does stuff like that. I love, yeah. When he when he did when he was picked to do the Super Bowl halftime show, I said I can see why he should. Yeah, he should. Some people I've talked to are like he sucks. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fuck uh, but like you know that's and I've learned I actually am more open to a lot of the new stuff. Spotify does weekly things Monday where they give you new bands, and I've actually found some shit, and I'm like, wow, you know, there were some really really talented, interesting bands out there. But also, we're older now. Like we're not at the peak of the mountain, which we were in the '90s. Now all this stuff's for a younger generation for them to thrive yep. and build a world off of. And you know, all I say is that creativity is dope. It was actually very cool to come up in a time like that because, like you said, now. A playlist comes on at work, and I can fuck with almost any kind of music besides country, because fuck you, country. And uh, it's because of that. It's because I was exposed to it. Didn't really have a choice. If you weren't into eclectic music, you were going to be fucked, because new shit was popping out. Yeah, for real. You were left behind, yeah. So, yeah. And I'm sure that on the ride back, we're going to talk about 40 other genres we forgot Mm -hmm. to bring up, and that's fine. There's only so much time that we can talk about it, and we focus, as always, we focus on the shit that's relevant to us, but one thing we love these episodes to be is to be interactive so that you can see it or you can listen to it, and then if you want to reach out to us on the socials, you really don't like that, do you? No, can I talk about it? Yeah, go for All it. Right. Dear Dunkin' Donuts. Fuck Hi. you. Oh, man, no. Sin- we... Sincerely. No, don't say fuck you and sign it my name. What the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you? Sincerely you. Sincerely you.